This episode of the Nocturnal Disney Podcast is brought to you by Palms and Parks. They are high-quality t-shirts and tank tops that have cool, fun designs that help show off your love for Disney in a unique and smart way. Visit them at palmsandparks.com and check out what their store has to offer. There's something there for everyone. A warm welcome back to those of you who made it, and a friendly word of warning, something you won't find in any guidebook. The next time you turn on a new podcast on the highway late at night, make sure you know just what kind of show you're hearing, or you may find yourself a permanent resident of the Nocturnal Disney Podcast. I'm bringing the party to you. Look, I really don't want to hurt you. I wouldn't stress about it. Give it to Ronan so he can destroy the galaxy? What are you, some saint all of a sudden? What has the galaxy ever done for you? Why would you want to save it? Because I'm one of the idiots who lives in it! Peter. You have a metal arm? That is awesome, dude! I wear them front. I wear them back. I, I go, go inside, inside out. out. Then, then I go, I go front, front and, and back. back. Dad! What is this thing? Look how it thinks it's so cool. It's not cool to get help. Walk by yourself, you little gargoyle. I'm the boss, I'm the boss, I'm the boss. I'm glad. I don't care. You couldn't have done that earlier. I hate you. This drink, I like it. I know, it's great, right? Another! Thank you for joining me for episode 11 of the Nocturnal Disney Podcast on August 14th, 2018. My name is Bryce. I appreciate you listening. If you want to join in on our discussion, you can join us on Facebook. Just search the Nocturnal Disney Podcast and join our little group. You can email me at nocturnaldisney at gmail.com. And you can say something quick to me on Twitter at Disney Nocturnal. You can also find me on Instagram at the Nocturnal Disney Podcast, all separated by underscores. Holy cow. Guys, it's either feast or famine with the news right now. And I have a lot to talk about. First of all, I'm sorry that this episode is coming out on Tuesday. I am sorry. I try to get these episodes out on Saturday. I was working on it Thursday night, and I lost the entire thing. And I didn't have an opportunity to make it again until tonight. So I am very, very sorry. But in any case, James Gunn is in the news again. So is Dave Bautista. We hear from Josh Gad a little bit. We might have gotten some insight into what Sony plans on doing with Spider-Man. We have some actually shocking news about Star Wars. And a little bit of news from a movie that I forgot was even being made. But for now, let's just jump into it. Good morning. I'm checking in with the Midnight Report. Let's fire away. So let's start here just to kind of get this out of the way first. The live-action Mulan movie started filming yesterday. It's kind of crazy. I forgot about this movie completely. <laughs> Once I saw that it was filming, though, I remembered, oh yeah, they're changing a lot about this movie from the animated film. You can debate whether or not it's a good thing because you don't want to make a shot-for-shot remake because then what's the point? 
You also don't want a completely different movie though because then what's the point of naming it Mulan? Naming recognition maybe? I don't know. But Li Shang may not end up in this movie at all because Mulan doesn't fall for Shang, right? She ends up falling for a Chen Hongwei who's a soldier in the army. Now, that alone, not a big deal. But then couple that with the fact that they're not going to make this a musical at all. There's going to be no songs in this movie. You're not going to get reflection. You're not going to get a girl worth fighting for. But mainly, and most importantly, I feel, you're not going to get the song, I'll Make a Man Out of You. And that is super depressing because that is a wonderful song. Whenever I'm making a sandwich or dinner or doing anything almost, I'll go between Let's Get Down to Business and then the other one from Metalocalypse, Prepare for Ultimate Flavor. I say one of those two things every single day, and it makes me laugh. <laughs> and I wanted to see this song in live action. And if I'm being honest, I wanted to see this song in live action as much as I wanted to see I Want to Be Like You from The Jungle Book in live action. I gotta see that one, but apparently I don't get to see this one, and that's dumb. Because I really like Mulan, you know? I still remember going to see that movie with my mom when it first came out. I'm sure it's gonna be fine. I'm sure it will be. But man, I'm pretty bummed about this news. But I guess we'll just have to see how it goes. We'll see. In 2016, Disney released a movie with Jon Favreau called The Jungle Book. Some of you might have heard of it. <laughs> it made $966 million. It just didn't get into the Billion Dollar Club. And it's kind of sad that it didn't because it deserves to be there. It was a live action and CGI crossover with it being 99% CG animation. And Mowgli only being live action. That was it. It was insane to me that they had the audacity to call The Jungle Book a live action movie, but I've gone on a number of rants about that, and if you want to find it, I'm sure it's somewhere out there on the internet. But it upset me a lot. In any case. <laughs> Some of you probably know this, but Disney wasn't the only studio making a Jungle Book movie. Warner Brothers was, and they were doing it with Andy Serkis. They were going to call it Mowgli. And it had Kate Blanchett in it. She was going to play Ka. Benedict Cumberbatch was with Shere Khan. Christian Bale was Bagheera. I think that's a great casting. And then Andy Serkis was going to play Baloo. And they were trying to get their movie done first. You know, because they wanted to get their movie out there before Disney did. Because regardless of whether you're a better movie or not, it's never good to be the second one out because it always looks derivative of the one that came out before you. You know what I'm saying? But, I mean, obviously, they didn't end up beating Disney. And so because of that, they decided, you know what? We're going to take our time. We're going to make it the way we need to. We're going to make it the way we want. Let's take our time. Cool. I get that. So Mowgli was supposed to come out in 2016. Then it got pushed back to October of 2018. But that's not going to happen anymore either because Warner Brothers sold the rights to Netflix. Dirt cheap, too. The movie cost $150 million to make, and they sold it to Netflix for $50 million, I believe. It was either $50 million or $100 million, but I can't find the exact number at the moment, so I'm sorry. And like I said, it was supposed to come out in October of this year, but instead, it's coming out sometime 
in 2019. I'll be honest with you guys, this worries me because the last movie that this happened to was Cloverfield Paradox, and that movie sucks. It got a 17 from Rotten Tomatoes from the critics. And you could say, well, you know, maybe it had a bad cast. Mmm. No, not really. It was actually fairly good. I mean, you had Gugu and Botham Ra, David Oyelio, Daniel Brühl, Chris O'Dowd, John Ortiz, all of these people, very serviceable actors. The movie still sucked. Paramount sold Cloverfield Paradox for roughly 50 million, though the reports aren't exact. And now WB did the same thing. I mean, I just, I really hope this movie's good. I really do. And one of the weirdest things that Andy Serkis said was that now we won't be compared to the other one, being the John Favreau Jungle Book film. And no, that's not how that works. I don't think people are going to judge you as harshly, but I definitely think that Mowgli is going to be pitted against the Jungle Book. Especially since when the Jungle Book was coming out, that's all people could talk about was, well, you know, we have this Jungle Book movie coming out, but what about what Andy Serkis is doing with Mowgli? That's going to be interesting too. And it is, and I want to see how this movie is going to fare. I'm very interested. And just a heads up, guys, all of the news that's come out this week, all movie news. All of it. <laughs> so strap in. Because Josh Gad has been around for a while, right? He was out there in 2002 doing his thing, and I had no idea who he was. I had zero clue who this guy was until he popped up in Frozen as that adorable little snowman Olaf. Oh, I love him. He's so funny and cute. <laughs> but Josh Gad jumped on Twitter on August 6th, took a picture of the Disney Animation Building, and put a caption that said, Back to work, hashtag F2. So it's actually happening, guys. Disney is, in fact, making a Frozen 2 movie. And I know that there's a lot of people who still like to throw hate at Frozen. Well, oh, Frozen's too popular. I can't like something that's too popular. That makes me uncool. I see this one on Facebook all the time. Um, uh, unpopular opinion, Tangled is actually better than Frozen. And that might have been an unpopular opinion back in 2013, but five years later, not so much anymore. Matter of fact, I dare say that the unpopular opinion is that Frozen is better than Tangled. I don't believe that it is, but I still feel that Frozen is a very good movie that deserves to be seen by people. I mean, I liked all the songs, I liked all the characters. I'm happy Disney didn't drag its feet with this because there's still more story that I would really like to see even after the dreadful season opening of season four of Once Upon a Time. I do hope it's better than anything they've put in the parks though because anything they've put in the parks has just been regurgitated lines from the movie that people thought were funny. If I watch one more team of Anna and Elsa's go, chocolate, I'm gonna lose it, man. <laughs> and I say that because I think there's honestly some potential here for a good story, for a good sequel, and for good attractions in the park, you know what I'm saying? I mean, there's been speculation that at the beginning of the movie, Hans wasn't the bad guy. He doesn't show any malice at all towards Anna or Elsa. The Duke of Wesselton is sitting there talking about, oh, Elsa attacked me, Elsa attacked me. And then Hans steps in and goes, 
No, you slipped on ice. That's all that happened. Then he was making accommodations for the people of the city, trying to make sure that they got food and clothing and shelter. Then there's that scene in Elsa's castle where the one guard goes to shoot Elsa, had her dead to rights, right in the face. Hans pushed the crossbow right out of the way and made the arrow hit the chandelier. Now you could say, well, that was Hans trying to make what happened to Elsa look like an accident and make a show of him trying to protect her so that the townsfolk still had his back and could trust him. And yeah, I see what you're saying there, but I don't buy it. I think that Hans was actually genuinely trying to save Elsa and wanted to fix what was happening. I mean, think about it. Even when he gets tossed into the water and he's underneath the boat right before the coronation, he's by himself. Nobody else is around him. And he's looking at Anna with this dopey grin on his face. Nothing but affection, right? Nothing but affection. If he was evil, and evil from the very beginning, and that was his plan, he wouldn't have had that look on his face. And this is something I went into a couple of times when I've spoken about Phantom Menace. Hans, just like Jar Jar Binks, is an animated character. All of his movements, all of his features, all of his facial tics, everything are planned to the utmost degree, right? They even hold on Hans in that shot for a while. Like, it's a good two or three second shot of him just sitting there holding the boat up. Then the speculation goes on from there and says, well, when Kristoff and Anna went to go see the rock trolls for their help as love experts, remember they were trying to marry Kristoff off right away. Boom, get him in, get him in. One of the lyrics of the song is, get the fiancé out of the way and the whole thing will be fixed, right? Well, what if that wasn't some silly little song lyric? What if they actually did put the thought into Hans's mind that he wanted to kill Elsa and he wanted Anna to die? That way he could take over and be king. We've already seen him work mind control when we see Grandpappy change all of Anna's memories from magic to just happy memories of Elsa in the snow, right? So we know that they can do it. Plus, Kristoff is one of the trolls, right? So they want to have that upper class help. This makes so much sense to me. Honestly, if they took the second one as like a redemption for Hans, I think that would be so interesting. You know what I'm saying? Hans comes back, convinces Anna that she was tricked, that he never intended to hurt her or Elsa, and that it was all the trolls, right? That could cause some problems between Anna and Kristoff. That has to be worked out. Meanwhile, Anna's debating whether or not to give Hans another chance. I think it could be pretty interesting. I don't know that that's what they'll do. It's probably not what they'll do. But all of this just to say, I am indeed excited for Frozen 2. I can't wait. All right, moving on from Frozen, we have Star Wars news. And we have some actually pretty big, shocking Star Wars news. Episode 9 just started filming, and that started filming on August 1st. And that's really cool. That's really interesting. Awesome. Good job. That makes me happy. It's tangible now, you know what I'm saying? Because before then, it's all just talk. But now, we have something we can actually look at. And that's really cool to me. But what's more interesting is the fact that they released a statement that said all of these people will be coming back. Rose Tycho's coming back, Poe Dameron's coming back, Finn, BB-8, 
Chewie's coming back, but with somebody new in the suit. They said Billy D. Williams is coming back, and we all knew that he was doing that. Then they said Mark Hamill is coming back as Luke Skywalker. How? How? I mean, the thought at the end of Episode 8 was he's dead now. He became one with the Force. He used the Force projection, battled Kylo Ren, and then when he was done, he drifted off, leaving his cloak behind. He left the dice behind. By everything that that movie gave us, Luke Skywalker is dead at the end of Episode 8. So how he's coming back in Episode 9 remains to be seen. Maybe he's not dead and just something completely different happened to him. Maybe he's a Force ghost and he comes back and talks to Rey. I think that would be pretty cool because the first time we ever have the concept of Force ghosts introduced to us as the audience is back in A New Hope. So having Luke Skywalker and us for the first time see a Force ghost together, right? And then have Luke Skywalker possibly be one of the last Force ghosts that we see in the Skywalker saga. I think that that's really interesting and I think it brings it home really nice. Or maybe it's a situation like they had on Endor at the end of Return of the Jedi when you have these four Force ghosts all show up at this party. Maybe that happens. I don't know. So I thought that was really interesting. The other thing I found really interesting was that Princess Leia is coming back and she is going to be portrayed by Carrie Fisher. I know. But what they're doing is they're taking unused footage from Episode 7, The Force Awakens, and putting it into Episode 9 and working it that way. So obviously there's going to be a lot of movie magic happening here. Maybe you get somebody who sounds like Carrie Fisher to deliver the lines. Maybe you just use the dialogue that was recorded in Episode 7. Maybe that works, maybe it doesn't. Maybe they need to have a workaround. I don't know. I do find this very, very cool though. Because there was a lot of speculation, especially after she died, as to what they were going to do with the character. Do you kill her off off screen? Because if you do, that's horrible. Especially when you had the opportunity to kill the character on screen in a fairly large death and have it have meaning in episode 8. I understand why you say, no, you cannot kill her off off screen. That's ridiculous. I get that. So then, do you recast her? Well, a lot of people would be furious if they recast her. So, I understand you're not wanting to do that either. I think that they've decided on the best course of action to kind of appease everybody, you know? We get to see the Princess Leia story come to a close, hopefully in a way that makes sense, and they don't have to recreate her as a CGI character, because as good as they can do with the de-aging effect, they're still there. It's still Michael Douglas in front of the screen. It's still Robert Downey Jr. in front of the screen. When you have to make a character from scratch, all CGI, we're not quite there yet. And I know this, and you know this, because of Grandmar Tarkin in Rogue One. It didn't look terrible, but it didn't look correct. He wasn't quite out of the uncanny valley just yet. And that is important for a main character like Princess Leia. So I think by using this unused footage from Episode 7, it's really going to be the best that they could have done with the situation that they're in. And this has me very, very intrigued. 
So one of the bigger things that Marvel has had to worry about is whether or not at the end of Far From Home will Sony take back the rights to Spider-Man. Because after Far From Home, Spider-Man's four-movie contract to be in the MCU is up, right? One of the other big questions is, if Spider-Man is appearing in the MCU, can Sony then use Spider-Man in their other Spider-Verse movies, right? Like they have Kraven the Hunter coming out, they have Silver and Black, which is a Silver Banshee and Black Cat movie. Supposedly, it's on hold for right now, but we'll see. Obviously, we have Venom coming out here in October, but one of the representatives over at Sony was talking to Variety, and he said, some members of Sony's brain trust believe that the film should push the very limits of a PG-13 without crossing over into a higher rating. The feeling is that will give the studio greater leeway for future installments that will feature Spider-Man, something Venom does not do. Talking about this movie. Any Spider-Man movie will carry a PG-13 rating because the wall crawler is more family friendly and if Venom is too dark and gory, it might preclude other film matchups, not just with Peter Parker's alter ego, but also with other members of the extended MCU. So, <laughs> we're told that they're keeping Venom a PG-13 movie because they want to make sure they can use Spider-Man in future installments. Then we're also told at the end of that that they're keeping it PG-13, that way Venom can maybe cross over with other MCU characters like Iron Man or Thor or Captain America, right? I don't know. I think it's interesting. I still think that if Venom does well, right, that they're going to take Spider-Man back and just have it be that. Believe me, I don't want that to happen even a little bit, but I do think that it's possible, and if Venom is good, I think it's probable, you know? More information's come out about the James Gunn situation, and Dave Batista actually jumped on Twitter, and it was in response to somebody's question to him. It came from Elias Elliott. It said, Dave Batista, love your support for James Gunn. Do you have any plans for response if Disney doesn't reinstate him? for Guardians of the Galaxy 3. So Elias is saying, yeah, we saw what you said in that open letter there. It was nice. But if Disney doesn't reinstate him, what are your plans then? Dave Bautista fires back, I will do what I'm legally obligated to do, but Guardians without James Gunn is not what I signed up for. Guardians of the Galaxy without James Gunn just isn't Guardians of the Galaxy. It's also pretty nauseating to work for someone who'd empower a smear campaign by fascists, cyber Nazis. That's just how I feel. Wow. <laughs> so Dave Batista said that it's nauseating working for Disney because they empowered cyber Nazis and a smear campaign. Bravo, dude. I mean, that's insane. No actor ever talks about the company he's working for like that while they are working for them. I mean, he is putting a Hollywood career on the line to say these things. And if he puts loyalty to James Gunn above a career, good for him, man. He's sticking to his guns. He's sticking to what he believes in. And that's fantastic. He was talking to Shortlist.com, which is an online magazine, and he said, Nobody's defending his tweets, but this was a smear campaign on a good man. I spoke to Chris Pratt the day after it happened, 
and he's a bit religious, so he wanted time to pray and figure it out. But I was like, F this. This is complete bull. James is one of the kindest, most decent people I've met. He then went on to say that James Gunn has finished the script for Volume 3 of Guardians of the Galaxy, and this is what he had to say about that. Where I'm at right now is that if Marvel doesn't use that script, then I'm going to ask them to release me from my contract. Cut me out or recast me. I'd be doing James a disservice if I didn't. So, I mean, you can see Dave Bautista has been in the corner of James Gunn this entire time. He believes in him and he's sticking up for him and that's fantastic. It really is very good because you don't see that kind of loyalty in people very much anymore. So it's nice to know that it still exists. As far as Batista asking to be released from his contract though, you don't have to worry. It's not going to happen because allegedly Marvel is going to be using James Gunn's script for Guardians of the Galaxy 3, which I find interesting because Alan Horn said, we are severing ties with James Gunn. How can you sever ties with somebody if you're going to be using their script? His name is still going to end up being in the credits of that movie. Yeah, he's not directing it, but still he's there. So how is that better? Plus, it's the script. It's what was written. That's what James Gunn is in trouble for. Stuff that he wrote. Stuff that he wrote a while ago. And I bring that up again because when I first started talking about this whole thing, I said I didn't know where I stood on the matter. And that's true, I didn't. After giving it time to marinate and kind of sink in and think about it, I am definitely on James Gunn's side. Because what he said was awful. There's no getting around it. It's bad. It was his job at the time to make those kinds of jokes and things like that. So I get it. He was working for Troma Productions, which is essentially like The Onion. When you go to The Onion, you don't expect their stuff to be serious. It's kind of the same vein, you know? So those tweets are in line with the job that James was working at the time, right? Then you have the other part of the statement from Alan Horn, which is, the offensive attitudes and statements discovered on James' Twitter feed are indefensible and inconsistent with our studio's values. Our studio's values. Our studio's values. See, that's an interesting way to phrase that. Because Disney was all too happy to go to Robert Downey Jr. and have him play Iron Man. Granted, Kevin Feige had to fight for Robert Downey Jr. to play Iron Man, and he did a great job. He really did. But if you talk about inconsistent values with the studio, well, Iron Man in 1996 had a full-blown coke problem. He was pulled over for drunk driving. He had heroin, cocaine, and crack in his possession. Then on top of that, he had a Magnum revolver. So he was inebriated driving around with a gun and drugs on him. Nope, that's still consistent with our studio's values. Then, you can even look at a movie that came out this year, Infinity War. Josh Brolin, back in 2004, went to jail for spousal battery, right? And that is the lowest misdemeanor that you can get for spousal abuse, but it's still spousal abuse. He still hit his wife. Nope, that's consistent with our values. What's the difference? What is the difference? Is it that Robert Downey Jr. changed his ways and doesn't act like that anymore? Because James Gunn doesn't act like that anymore either. What about Josh Brolin? Has he stopped hitting women? 
Well, if he stopped hitting women, why can't James Gunn stop making bad jokes? The other thing is, too, Robert Downey Jr. and Josh Brolin, they did these things. They went and put other people's lives in danger. Literally, literally putting other people's lives in danger. And nope, they're fine. And I get it. Robert Downey Jr. was in a really bad place when he was doing the drugs and he got arrested and all that kind of stuff. Now, granted, I don't know a whole lot about Josh Brolin's situation, so I can't really comment. But still, they put other people's lives in danger. And now they stopped. And apparently, that's okay. So, really, the difference is James Gunn made some jokes. He wrote some stuff. And in comparison to making jokes and writing things and actually going out and doing them, much different. One is much worse than the other one. So I feel like if you're going to make a stand and say, well, these jokes aren't consistent with our values, you should go out and fire Iron Man and you should go out and fire Thanos too. I'm not saying that's what I want, but you should to stay consistent. Otherwise, you're a hypocrite. Now, that being said, Kevin Feige is fighting to get James Gunn brought back on for Guardians 3. Like I said, I don't think it's going to happen. But it blows me away because Kevin Feige, the architect of the MCU, found out that James Gunn was fired when you and I did. He read it online on the 20th. That's crazy. That is insane. Granted, Alan Horn is Kevin Feige's boss. Bob Iger is everybody's boss. So what they say goes... But when it's something that is this old and this impactful on your movie universe, you should probably discuss matters with the guy who has spent a lot of time with them, you know, and got some first person accounts of how he actually is. Oh, yeah, you know, James Gunn, he's constantly slinging profanity and sexist jokes on set. He should probably get going. Well, then at least now, you know, firsthand, yes, this is how he acts right now as opposed to punishing him for something that that was a long time ago and he apologized for it by himself nobody called him out on it he called himself out on it i don't know this whole thing is very aggravating to me and i really do feel like this was a knee-jerk reaction on bob Iger and alan horn's part and i hope that there's some way to remedy it because as of right now movie studios literally are lining up to talk to James Gunn. They want James Gunn working on their projects. And this was all in the Hollywood Reporter, but nobody has approached James Gunn because they can't, not legally, because he's still in closing negotiations with Disney, right? Because James Gunn wasn't in violation of his contract, Disney has to buy him out of his contract. So they're going to give James Gunn anywhere between seven and 10 million dollars to not make a movie maybe even more that's what some people are saying maybe more than 10 million dollars not to do a job that's insane i mean to james gunn i feel bad that you're going through all this but i mean that's a windfall dude the other thing is since he's not in breach of his contract disney has to pay him all of this money but James Gunn can immediately go and start working on other projects at other studios. And that is phenomenal. 
Maybe he goes over to DC. DC was one of the companies who was looking at him. I mean, that's obvious. You know what I'm saying? People want him to go into Green Lantern, a Green Lantern Corps, and, and that would be going from one space opera to another space opera. And, okay, like, I see why you would want that. You know, Hollywood is very much one of those places that's, what have you done for me lately? Okay, James Gunn did good with Guardians of the Galaxy. He would do good with a Green Lantern movie, sure. But he's done more intense movies than Guardians of the Galaxy. You know what I'm saying? He did Slither. He did Super. And I would like to see him do something kind of strange. Maybe like a detective chimp. <laughs> I think that would be really funny to see. Uh, I don't think it would ever get made because nobody knows who Detective Chimp is, and that's fine. What I would actually like to see him do is an actual villains movie that centers on the Riddler played by Michael C. Hall, who played Dexter. I think he would make a great Edward Nigma and go with the Riddler from the new Arkham games, the one where he's kind of almost like Jigsaw, putting people in death traps and stuff like that. And I think Michael C. Hall would be really good for this type of Riddler movie because he did so well with Dexter. See, in Dexter, he had to play a psychopath who could also be charming. And I feel like Edward Nigma is that guy. Like, he's crazy and he'll kill you, but he's also not terrible all the time. You know what I'm saying? And I think Michael C. Hall could pull that off. that's the end for this week anyway i wanted to thank you all for listening you can find me on itunes youtube twitter tumblr and soundcloud you can also find me on digifox studios new network the fox playbox type in foxplaybox.com and you can find all the shows in our network if you would be so kind as to like favorite and subscribe i would greatly appreciate it it does help me get up through the ranks so more people can find my show don't forget to head over to the facebook page or my instagram page and participate in this week's disney duel which is going to be do you think it's a good idea to bring back Princess Leia with unused footage or no? Last week I asked you if you were interested in a live action Lady in the Tramp movie or if you just wanted to be left alone and have the animated version. 145 of you said, leave it alone, just give me the animated version. And I get that, I completely understand that and so do a lot of people because only 38 of you said, yes, we want the live action, bring on the live dogs. <laughs> Tonight's hidden Mickey clue is the Philhar magic with its duck-billed mage lands in trouble when he flies into rage. This one is simple, big as the castle. You'll see the horn on the side of the stage. And if one of you finds that hidden Mickey from that clue, do me a favor, take a picture of it, tag me on Instagram or something. Let me know I'm doing good out there. I like that. <laughs> and that's going to do it for tonight. Thank you so much for listening to this very late episode of the Nocturnal Disney Podcast. And until next Saturday, this is Bryce saying have a good night and may all your endings be happy. <laughs> well, you know the rest. <laughs>